while an operating leader, I see myself as a revenue leader. So it's important for, I mean, it's honestly important for every revenue operations professional to see themselves as a revenue leader. Our stakeholder success is our success. If the business is not growing, that is not just their problem, it's our problem too. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in pursuit of unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps rockstar. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest is someone we're thrilled to feature on the show. He develops top performing teams. He's passionate about building scalable and sustainable business growth. He focuses on establishing a proactive data-driven culture. VP of go-to-market strategy and operations at Mural, Kayvon Dostgabe. Welcome, Kayvon. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, in looking at your extended experience, you've done a ton in operations. Um, you've done client success in operations, sales ops. You've done revenue ops at different size companies and levels. Reflecting back on all of that time, what is something in RevOps that you had to learn the hard way? Data is a language like any other, and some people are more conversant in it than others. It behooves us to ensure that we're communicating on the least common denominator to ensure everyone is aligned with the story that's being told. It's a fun question because I think, depending on who you ask, you get a lot of different answers. And for me, RevOps is a data-centric profession, which means we're closer to the numbers that define business performance more than most other teams in the organization. And as a result, the famili that familiarity fosters this false perception that what we see in the data is obvious to everyone else. That coupled with the fact that I have a background in science made it very frustrating for me early on in my career when trends or flags and data seemed to or needed to be explained far more so than I thought they did. From early indicators on retention risk based on inactivity on specific uh, uh, features within a platform towards looking at uh, inconsistent activities that generated pipeline. Those little nuances seem obvious to us, but we need to be able to package them in a way for the non-technical stakeholder to understand them. And that was definitely a hurdle for me in the very beginning. Was there a specific um, instance where you had to distill that um, that learning? What, what happened and, and how did you manage it so that you have this great takeaway around, you know, communicating very simply using data like a language um, and, and sharing that lowest con common denominator. There's one instance that very, uh, very uh, quickly comes to mind. And it was uh, during my time at ZoomInfo when we were building our first iteration of a customer health score. And, you know, predictive analytics, I could go on for days talking about that. And I love it like I think most RevOps leaders do. But at the end of the day, I we had built this, you know, very intelligent model that had six to eight different variables within it that was driving an outcome that says, hey, this is the likelihood that this customer is going to churn. Presented this, you know, 
statistician's dream of a thesis to our business stakeholders, and it was a sea of blank faces. because I was presenting it like I was presenting a data thesis. I was not presenting it like this is data that you now need to now digest into action items. I was not, I did not take that step for them on converting these variables into benchmarks or milestones that their teams can work towards achieving. And that was a very key learning moment for me where I have to kind of take that next step and coach my teams to do that going forward on how we take what seems like an obvious next step and actually package it into you know, a proposed solution. So, okay, your company Mural serves the sales, consulting and product design industries. Uh, Mural has uh, over 600 employees. Uh, you raised a $50 million C round back in July of 2021. Uh, I'm curious at your size, uh, what, what size RevOps team are you working with? I have a high-powered team of about 40 uh, individuals that act as that Nexus operational hub for Mural as a whole. So tell us more about how the team is structured. So my RevOps team is divided into six operating pillars. We have sales operations, which includes sales compensation, deal desk, deal desk uh, as well as your, your sales, ops, sales operations analysts or Responsible for the day-to-day reporting, KPIs, strategic insights, et cetera. CS operations, marketing operations, go-to-market systems, which is Salesforce and its connected technologies, a business analytics team, as well as revenue enablement. And um, how do you determine, so given that size of a team and just how many different areas you cover, how do you determine the right balance of in-house versus outsourced work? When I look at in-house versus outside work, I examine the needs of the business through two lenses. The first lens is what level of redundant coverage do I need to ensure that my teams are best able to meet the expectations of our stakeholders? And the second lens I use is an evaluation of the talent I have in-house versus what is available externally. You know, we often ask ourselves when it comes to technology, what can I build versus buy? We should ask that same question when it comes to talent. For example, let's look at time-bound projects like acquisition integrations or the deployment of a complicated configuration like CPQ. Staffing up a systems team with two to three or more administrators or developers is not a sound use of capital. However, leveraging external consultants to bolster a roster with professionals with that in-depth domain expertise substantially augments any RevOps team's ability to deliver business-critical objectives. I think that's a great way of thinking about it. And I, I, I like the idea, too, of, uh, you know, if you can partner with um, consulting shops that want to share what they know, uh, it can be a way of enriching and uh, enriching the talent that you have on your own team by working alongside consultants who've done it X many times before. Um, so um, can, you, um, can you tell us uh, with a team of 40, given the company's growth, uh, are you hiring? I am. Uh, we're shoring up some key IC functions in the team right now. I'm hiring a go-to-market data analysts across our business analytics team two sales ops analysts within sales operations and a Salesforce administrator within our go-to-market systems team. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, how, how exciting to be adding more folks to your team. 
uh, certainly there's a lot of talent in the marketplace uh, for you to choose from. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited too. Hey, you mentioned earlier, you've got, what is it? Five or six different functions, right? Within your purview, you got your traditional sales ops, deal desk, comp planning, blah, blah, blah. Uh, CS ops, marketing ops. Awesome. Like that's a true rev ops team. And you have, of course, the systems analytics and enablement. Help me like understand what happens in your brain, right? Like on a day-to-day basis, what's, what's the way you prioritize what to focus on? How do you run a typical day? How do you shift between these areas of focus? Basically, give me your secret sauce for managing and thinking about all of these different functions within your RevOps team. The dynamics and the priorities of my day-to-day shift and uh, usually depending on the time of the day. Uh, But there are a few key principles that I try to keep in mind as I navigate the week. The first is while an operating leader, I see myself as a revenue leader. So it's important for I mean, it's honestly important for every revenue operations professional to see themselves as a revenue leader. Our stakeholder success is our success. If the business is not growing, that is not just their problem. It's our problem too. So just kind of going through my day, I start my day looking at how we're tracking towards our booking targets. That's how I start every morning. I believe wholeheartedly if you're a RevOps leader and you're not keeping an eye on the forecast, pipeline coverage, you're pacing on gross and net retention, you're doing yourself and the business a disservice. From there, and this is one of the real secrets to my success, is I have extremely talented roster of leaders across the six pillars of my team. I rely on them for critical escalations that need my attention. And let's be fair, it wouldn't be RevOps if there wasn't a fire at 8 a.m. in the morning. So relying on strong leadership and hiring talent that is capable of not only managing and working with their stakeholders effectively, being agile in the way that they prioritize you know, their solutions and being adaptable to the needs of the business in each of those pillars is necessary. It's a skill set that I don't think a lot of people have, and you need to search for that while you're in your talent acquisition process. Uh, from there, uh, my, my day-to-day, my week shifts from weekly rhythms of business and high-touch cadences like stand-ups, uh, less frequent or more seasonal cadences that specifically focus on discussions and updates on OKRs and how we're shifting our priorities. There's a range of cross-functional tactical syncs related to said OKRs. And I definitely like to spend some time with deep work so that I can prepare necessary strategic updates. You know, go-to-market strategy planning, alignment, evaluation of the drivers of success require enough mental bandwidth to review, assess, and draw insights and provide direction and elements of discussion. So uh, obviously it means that I have to maintain uh, a fairly rigorous operating cadence, which each of, each of these six pillars and their stakeholders, missing a step with either one of them means that I'm in, unable to support those functions effectively. I know we're coming right up on SKO season, if, if not already, right? Um, and probably when the podcast goes live, most teams have already done it, um, certainly at the start of every year, there's the comp planning that takes up a ton of time, territory planning. When you look back on your last few months and also know what's ahead, which is some amount of turbulence in the marketplace, what have you found to be the best use of your attention and time? 
in terms of the functional areas in, in your, in, in your team? Like, is there a particular area that you're like, this is an area I should double down on, stay close with, stay in lockstep with to make sure things are on track and that we can pivot very quickly. There's two that come to mind. One may not always be applicable to the to the organization. We're a PLG company, so our PLG focus remains front of mind for me uh, at all times. The second is effective use of resources, and that means technology and people. In an, in a turbulent macroeconomic climate that we're in right now, capital is expensive, and as as revenue operations, it is in our best interest to ensure that the capital that we're going to be applying to technology, to headcount, to surrounding our our TAM needs to be put in place in the most effective way possible. So what might have been good enough a year ago, two years ago, may not cut it anymore. And we have to be that that very rigorous use of the scalpel when necessary. So from everything from fiscal year planning to do we need three technologies that do the same thing in-house, those are the questions that come up. And making so going back to it is making sure we're being as effective with our resources as possible, knowing that the ability to acquire more is far less likely. And at the VP level, knowing that you have some very capable team members you've referenced at the start of this call, what is the level of information you would prefer your team to kind of elevate to your level of visibility in terms of analysis and evaluation for things like optimizing efficiency, right? Or streamlining the tech stack. What is too much information for for you uh, overseeing a 40-person team? What is the right amount of analysis that you would want you know, your deputies to be prepared with so that you can help them effectively make decisions? I've empowered my teams to make decisions and I encourage them to think like revenue leaders. As a result, that means that they know if it's going to be an alarming thing for a CRO, they definitely want to bring it to my attention. So that's the first kind of like rule that they keep in mind. If it's going to impact our bookings number, if it's going to impact our plan, our ability to hit plan, they bring it to my attention as well. Arguably before it gets to the case where a CRO would be seeing it, that way we're able to identify the root causes, propose solutions, and prepare a mitigation strategy uh, as soon as possible. The second thing that I encourage them to do is when it comes to extreme cross-functional failures or or cross-functional gridlocks. As a a VP, as as a senior level, it's my responsibility to provide air cover when necessary. And so, when it comes to our ability to move the needle on major milestones and initiatives, it's important for me to be able to maintain those relationships across R&D, across finance, across all all of go-to-market to ensure that those dependencies and those priorities have alignment. So it's either, does it affect our bookings or plan number, or have we fallen out of a critical alignment on a strategic initiative that the organization has previously aligned on? Those two things essentially warrant the do not pass, uh, do, do pass, go collect $200, go right to Kay's desk. I love that. That's really good too, rules of thumb um, to use. And it makes it relentlessly clear for 
um, the team that sounds like you've been really good about enabling and empowering to make their own decisions, to know when to pull you in, when to ensure that um, that decision is discussed or that implication is discussed at your level. You mentioned PLG earlier. I know a lot of our listeners probably have used Mural in their own work. Um, can you speak specifically around how your RevOps team actually supports um, creating a more seamless, a more optimized PLG function? What are some of the things that are maybe unexpected for folks um, in RevOps in terms of how they could help their own PLG motions? Absolutely. Um... I mean, if you think about it, PLG is one of those extremely important cross-functional corporate level initiatives. And it's front of mind for me right now because we're aiming to expand and evolve our PLG motion as a critical vehicle of our go-to-market strategy. PLG needs to be integrated with traditional demand generation and sales-led activities to provide a comprehensive, interconnected, seamless customer experience. It is as critical for us in the customer journey as an outbound motion. So it should be no surprise that RevOps acts as a driver here. As a centralized RevOps team, uh, due to broad and deep subject matter knowledge across multiple facets of the, of the growth engine, we will be regularly called upon to help lead cross-functional corporate level initiatives. And things like PLG feed our funnel, they feed growth, they feed retention, and if we're thinking we're only going to look at those aspects when they apply to CX, then we're truly not being a full cycle customer journey team. And that is the whole premise of revenue operations, your full cycle. It's not full cycle except when it comes to product. So that's why it plays such a key role. And let's be fair, the complexities of deploying a fiscal year plan and the timeframes we do establishes these teams as professionals capable of managing concurrent interdependent work streams on strict timelines. And PLG benefits from that level of expertise. So um, uh, I'm really curious, given your background and given your interests, what tech stack tool could you not live without? Oh, boy. Uh, Zoom Info is the tool that I can't live without. Um, I know it sounds like I'm biased, having been there before, uh, but... Zoom Info's technographic and firmographic data is the backbone of my go-to-market strategy. Not only do I believe that most leaders are doing themselves a disservice if they're not providing their marketing and outbound sales teams with up-to-date and reliable contact data to build pipeline, their teams also have fantastic mentality for customer partnership that helps augment my operations teams to ensure we're feeding our sales, CS, and marketing teams with what they need to succeed. So it is essentially the backbone for which everything is connected to. It's how we understand our company hierarchies. It's how we understand our segmentation, our TAM planning. Zoom info is necessary for that. And how about on the reporting side, where do you go to get an at-a-glance view of what's going on in your business? I have three stops on my data visualization morning routine. First off is Aviso, which is our forecasting tool, Salesforce and Tableau. From my perspective, there are probably three buckets of visualization that we need to have at the ready. The first is the broad visualization tools that capture the bulk of insights needed for leaders to understand what's happening in the business. Uh, these include your primary business KPIs, the things that will appear in board decks. Um, it's really the central repository for the data language that everyone needs to share. 
And that's, I see Tableau playing a very key role in that. And we as an organization are also making a very concerted effort to centralize a lot of our visualization needs that are multi-department dependent in Tableau. The second type of tool are things that are far more niche and serve a very specific function. For example, like a forecasting tool, which I believe every sales team should be using, it's very difficult to build that into Tableau. So you might as well use something that's far more niche to do it effectively, like Aviso or Clary and, uh, uh, and other tools that are coming on the market. The last tool, which I see playing a key role in this is, is Salesforce. Uh, this really plays a role for our go-to-market teams that they do like to make a point of stopping and checking in on these various dashboards. But our go-to-market teams themselves, those who are interacting with our customers, they need visualizations that are flexible, dynamic, quick to deploy to ensure that they're able to do their jobs effectively. These would be your Salesforce reports and dashboards that help them prioritize their day, your new leads, your upcoming renewals, your open opportunities without a meeting in the last 30 days, things like that. So there's a there's a purpose for each of them. It's really about centralizing your functions around those purposes. And I'm curious, with three tools in place, do you run into situations where the numbers don't true out across the systems? And how do you reconcile or attack those differences when that happens? I think I would be lying to you if I said I never encountered any numerical differences whatsoever between systems. Uh, that said, it's about really ensuring where the source of truth is. I think that's the first piece here because people can pull reports on their own. And if they pull it from Salesforce without a lot of the data context around it, the stories can come out very differently. So I'd say the first thing is to ensure that the recipes that were used to build those reports, those visualizations are synonymous, that they are interchangeable. Very, more often than not, it's something like a simple filter, a time bound, something that was pulled between those two different systems that skewed a projection where someone indexed on close date and someone indexed on create date. Those are very different fields to ask anyone. And uh, the reality is that can have massive impacts if people aren't using a central source of truth. So I would actually argue that let's focus on the source of truths data. And if we're trying to pull from somewhere else, then you have to go and recreate what were the steps that helped me get here? I've got a follow-up question for UK on reporting. Um, and it has to do with a couple of topics we've already talked about earlier, which includes balancing, you know, empowering people to go do things versus, of course, you've got a team of 40 RevOps and even larger team you're supporting, um, making sure that they are using the right data, they're pulling in the right fields. Um, recently, during a sales team meeting uh, at OpFocus, there was a conversation around, hey, can you open up certain kinds of reporting privileges a bit more so that I can go create my own dashboard, create my own um, reports, et cetera, look at my own accounts in different ways, slice and dice the data. And I think you know, a lot of teams that are in this trajectory of growth run into similar uh, situations where traditionally everyone's kind of done all of that themselves as the complexity of the schema increases as the uh, different systems and object complexity increases, it doesn't make as much sense anymore, but you also don't want to be a roadblock for people to be able to understand the data in their system for their accounts. So uh, seeking your advice here, how do you balance those two things, right? 
how do you enable and empower folks to say your data is at your fingertips, you know, go make sense of that versus everything should be centrally requested. We build it, you use this, you don't change, um, you know, the, the, the criteria or the fields that we use, lest you pull in the wrong field for some other purpose that's named similarly. So it's not as black and white as, as that situation can, can unfold. Uh, the reality is, I think every sales team, at the end of the day, if you tell them the thing I gave you helps you put more money in your pocket, they're generally far more apt to listen to you. And that level of partnership has to be the framework with how we're doing anything when it comes to visualization. At the end of the day, if you ask sales reps, would they rather be on calls and closing, or would they rather be trying to fiddle with a Salesforce report? The reality is, I think there's a, it's a 99% chance you'll find uh, they're going to go one way or the other. The 1% that isn't, they can probably come onto the ops team. Uh, when it comes to you know those reporting needs, when we find salespeople or CS people or anyone who's on the go-to-market team who's trying to build their own reports is because there's a fundamental gap in the visualizations that is present for them right now. And that burden now falls on RevOps to do a business case analysis, what are we not providing for them that they need on a day-to-day basis? And addressing that question and understanding what they need to succeed, and then taking that as a part of a planning exercise to roll out what I like to call like reporting packs. Here's your new dashboard with everything that you could possibly need that's built by us. We're gonna take the keys away from you now, but you told us what you wanted now, here it is. That's that's the extremely streamlined version of that timeline, that change management. But there has to be that first step by RevOps to go, what are you missing? And how do I get, get it to you? Why do you not have it right now? That resolution then starts to build that trust, that accountability, where you'll find go-to-market teams are now perfectly satisfied with never building a report ever again and relying on their business partners to do it for them. I think you're totally right. Like if someone could read my mind, uh, you know, filter out all my requirements, build me the thing that I exactly need, I would love to not need to touch it. But oftentimes the the ask to do so is more of a reflection of something underneath that's missing, right? And what you're calling out here is to not just solve the symptom of the ask, but rather understand the why behind it. How do I equip you with what you need so you can focus more on your job and let us, you know, put something together, hopefully, you know, not taking a ton of time, right? Salespeople love what they want right away. Um, Pairing that with speed and making sure that they have the data they want at the speed they need, and they're able to focus on their role. 100% agreed there. So, Kay, I think I figured out one of your recruiting strategies finding people that are already on the team, on one of the business teams and uh, that are uh, tinkering with the tools and, and bringing them on board. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's outstanding. Um, so uh, we, we've talked about a number of topics, uh, talked about you know, how your team is structured, talked about some of the tools that you have in place. I'd love to come up for air for a moment and just look ahead into the future. What is exciting you about what's coming in RevOps? 
Honestly, I'm most excited to see the visibility and broader appreciation for this business critical role. Selfishly, the more people know about it, the less likely I have to spend 10 minutes explaining what I do at family gatherings. That is number one, biggest thing I'm looking forward to. Oh, I love that. Uh, I, you know, 17 years into, uh, you know, being part of Op Focus, I still have to explain to my parents a little bit about what uh, <laughs> what the company does and, and all that. So I totally, totally know uh, what that uh, feeling of freedom will be when somebody says, uh, you know, ask you a question very specifically about, you know, based on their knowledge of RevOps. So, Hey, since you mentioned it, what has been the latest iteration of what you say during Thanksgiving to your family about what you do in your day job? So this one is actually not even my own creation. I saw this fantastic short clip on LinkedIn and the life of me, I can't remember who posted it. And it was an analogy where you're a toy store owner and the, the RevOps is the person who's deciding what to do in the toy store whether it's like stocking the shelves or I need more uh, cashiers tomorrow or I need uh, or I need more shelves to store toys ahead of next year. They're essentially used another business example that everyone can relate to, like planning for the holiday season, which are a toy store owner. And that I just send that clip to people now. I just I essentially outsource the explanation to that LinkedIn video. So then they think that you should be in the movie Toy Story or, or something something like that. Uh, <laughs> it makes it seem a lot more magical. <laughs> yes, yes. I guess that's that's a, that's a good uh, good outcome. So, Kay, let's talk about you for a little bit. So you're currently living out on the West Coast, Portland, Oregon. You studied molecular biology for your undergraduate. You did an MBA from the New York Institute of Technology. You're prior role was also VP of RevOps at Indebted. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to understand, so you're currently currently at, at Mural. Um, uh, what, what does Mural do, by the way? Great question. So uh, Mural is a, a, a very powerful tool for team brainstorming, idea generation, event planning, mind mapping, uh, where everyone can contribute no matter where they're located. Uh, essentially, any any member can simply click into a shared virtual canvas where a team can draw, add notes, pin images or GIFs, files, build diagrams to map out complex workflows and you know brain and brainstorming in the best asynchronous way you can imagine. Whole goal is you know essentially taking taking our asynchronous remote work to the next level. So Kay, I'm really curious, how did you get into RevOps? Like most people, I fell into RevOps. I was actually leading customer success and a customer support team, which didn't have a dedicated operations team. I was moonlighting as the operations group for a healthcare division at OnCourse Learning. Uh, so there was a e-learning platform focused on healthcare. And during that time, I realized I really appreciated how I was at the nexus of people, process, and technology, the big three. And it was the ability to work with my team, identify what they were running into in terms of interacting with the customers, what was helping them succeed, which was standing in their way, and then having the ability to change how they did their job, how 
change the tools that they were using, optimize their uh, time that they were spending on administrative versus actual customer benefiting tasks, essentially opened my eyes at, hey, wait, there's there's another world here that I could potentially jump into. And when an opportunity at, at ZoomInfo appeared to join their customer success operations team, specifically, um, it helped me widen the aperture of what could be done when you're focused on those initiatives specifically. It was, it was very much a light bulb moment. Hey, it's given that um, Mural is such a great collaboration tool, it's great for visualization. Um, do you use it internally? And how does your RevOps team uh, find Mural to be useful for your own collaboration and visualization needs? Oh, we absolutely use Mural. Uh, I have an unnamed number of tabs open right now with different murals I'm looking at. Uh, can't can't disclose that, it's embarrassing. Uh, but the reality is mural is where my teams can give me those insights without ever being in a meeting with me. Let's be fair, nowadays, our, our ability to manage our calendars has become somewhat of a superpower. And mural allows me to have not only in, in-depth discussions completely asynchronously. It allows me to visualize and mind map with my teams for OKR planning, for sharing those OKRs with other teams and linking those documents together to help us see where that uh, interplay is. It helps for offsite planning. It helps for uh, workshopping. Ahead of fiscal year planning, Mural was where we handled everything from our segmentation to our load rate workshops, to our compensation planning, the philosophies and the systems that are present that we can use in that tool. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing my job without it now. And is there like a template that's one of your favorites or a, a use case that's one of your favorites where you're like, I wish every RevOps leader out there who had the budget could use this to effectively manage RevOps? Something maybe you had to do in another tool or a different way uh, prior to joining, but now you're like, I can't live without it. Part of is it's a part of the Luma system is using Rosebud Thorns, which is you know what what's going well, what's what could be done better, and what didn't go well. But framing it with every initiative in a workshop where we have specific initiatives, and we're looking at what we've done historically and applying this Rosebud Thorn framework. And giving everyone five minutes, quiet time, start the clock on mural, everyone goes and kind of puts in their sticky notes based on where they are, you end up spending far more time on actually assessing what we could have done better and what should we be doing next, rather than going around and getting individual feedback, collating it, and then coming back for another meeting two weeks from now to read out your findings. It cuts out half, like uh, half of your weeks of meetings, just by thinking in that framework. Wow, that is really cool, and I can already imagine. I can see, you know, the use of that the 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 rose. Uh, what you call the rosebud? Rosebud thorn. Oh, the rosebud thorn. Yes, uh, for some of our own team meetings, because uh, it does allow then everyone's ideas to get right on that page. Um, it doesn't get lost anywhere, and it makes for a more meaningful discussion. Plus, you'll find out that many people are thinking a lot of the same things you were. So you don't end up with getting 10 different interviews. You have one where everyone can say, hey, no, actually, I agree with that post-it note. I'm not going to put another one down. That one's me. That's brilliant. Um, I know we were talking about your experiences and career already earlier, Kay. 
Um, you've really been at a bunch of really cool companies. If we were to shift and look forward, what might be next? Are there certain things on your career bucket list? Are there um, certain types of experiences you want to have professionally? Right now, I'm definitely focused on shaping Mural for its next major chapters, whether that's a next stage acquisition or IPO, whatever is in our future. So I'm definitely focused on building the framework and the foundation that allows for Mural's growth to continue to accelerate. Down the road, I would love to take on the role of a COO at another scale up, helping them shape the best practices of the business as a whole. That's super cool. And especially with the experience of managing a 40-person RevOps team, I feel like um, it, it makes a ton of sense and and it would be a natural path uh, after you take Mural to as far and as high and as big as you can. So one of our last questions here is about you. And we all know that you know managing a 40-person team can't be easy, especially when it crosses over six different functional areas. What are some of the things you do outside of work that maybe your colleagues or coworkers might not be aware of? Um, are there go-to ways you unwind? Absolutely. RevOps is a high intensity job, so it's very important to find something that you can do to unwind. For me, I'm an avid gardener. I live in a fairly rural area now, uh, so my garden is definitely substantial. But even before that, when I had a small, very small suburban backyard, I was able to maintain an excessive number of raised garden beds, which I grew far too much zucchini, tomatoes, or cucumbers for any single family to eat. Um, I use my RevOps superpowers to enhance my gardening as well. I have detailed seed plan schedules, project plans for my crop rotations, uh, as well as uh, to ensure I mitigate risk when it comes to disease. So at the end of the day, I like to be able to do something with my hands outside. It's a really a fantastic re release for when I'm spending a lot of time in front of screens. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, to borrow um, something another guest recently said on the podcast, uh, sounds like you rev ops the shit out of your garden. And that's pretty cool. That is true. Uh, I, I have family and friends who come. It's like, how did you get it to like be so green out here? It's like, how much time do you have? Because it's gonna, not going to be a short explanation. <laughs> and tell me, do you have like uh, quarterly reviews of whether or not your gardening process is optimal and um, tracking yields by each raised garden bed to ensure that each of them are getting the attention and TLC it needs to uh, perform at its highest level of plant production? I mean, we're joking, but I kind of do. Like I do track based on the, the pH levels, the uh, the, the the different types of uh, compost I've used, and I keep track. If something isn't moving in the direction I expected it to based on the data I had beforehand, I make adjustments. I will sometimes empty a bed that hasn't been performing and uh, and give it the fuel it needs to grow. And uh, is that at all uh, <clears throat> based on your background in molecular biology and the types of testing and experimentation that you did while you were doing that degree? Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely have uh, kept some science journals and I built it with my, my RevOps agile mindset to, uh, uh, to keep my backyard a, uh, a wealth of organic vegetables and fruits. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also imagining um, that you probably maintain a Salesforce instance on the side or a 
a spreadsheet on the side, tracking your results over time. Maybe your analogy during the holidays shouldn't be about the toy shop. Maybe it should be basically saying, Hey, this is how I, uh, this is how I manage my garden. And by the way, this is how I manage my teams during, during work. That's a really good point. I actually will probably pivot uh ahead of time we're we're 10 months away from major holidays about so i should be able to polish your metaphor yeah (laughs) that's great okay um one of our favorite questions what resources do you turn to yourself Kay, for revops learning oh well short of it is i read a lot uh and i talk to whomever is interested in their thoughts on a particular topic um i'm a member of pavilion revops co-op and i've really taken part in uh a lot of the knowledge sharing that's available within those communities. At the same time, Mural is an insight partner as Portco. So I also do my best to take advantage of their insight partner centers of excellence. Um, the, the reality is there's a wealth of knowledge and best practices and resources at their fingertips that I would, uh, that at sometimes I would be uh, lost without. So combine that along with listening to podcasts like these, uh, attending, uh, conferences when possible, and remembering that I don't know everything, and I can always learn something new. Love that. That's really great. And if we get a little bit more specific, you've mentioned, um, you know, communities you're a part of, you've mentioned that you read and you listen to podcasts. Um, Are there specific people out there in the RevOps community today who you look up to, you'd like to give a shout out to, or you just think would be actually a great fit to share their experiences on this podcast. Oh, for sure. There's a, there's actually three that come to mind. Uh, first would be uh, Josh Van Heest. He's a fantastic mentor, uh, thought leader in his own league. He's now leading the v- he's the VP of RevOps at Clary. Uh, Anil Somani, who's recently the SVP of Revenue Operations at Pluralsight. He's a, a people leader of exceptional caliber. And last but not least, uh, one of my first... Uh, coaches in the world of RevOps is Chris Hayes, who's the chief operating officer at ZoomInfo, who's fundamental in a lot of my early perspectives of sales operations and the importance of thinking like a revenue leader. Very, very cool. And if folks want to follow John, uh, Neil, or Chris, we'll make sure to include their LinkedIn profiles in the show notes as well. It's Josh Van Geest. Sorry, Josh. Thank you for clarifying that. If folks want to find the LinkedIn profiles for the folks, Josh, Anil, and Chris that Kay just mentioned, we'll make sure to include their uh, links into the show notes. Where can people find you, Kay? Where are you active? I'm active primarily on LinkedIn. So that's the best place to find me. I, I am in the you know Pavilion and RevOps Co-op Slack channels as well. So people can ping me there as well. Great. And if folks haven't yet used Mural, they haven't tried it out, where could they find out more about the tool and platform itself? Well, absolutely. Head to the website, uh, mural.co. There's, there's a wealth of knowledge at your fingertips, as well as availabilities for you know free trial experiences to, to, to wet your whistle. Hey, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I really appreciated hearing about the six pillars of how you've structured your 40-person RevOps team. I I really like the way that you described your thoughts on analytics, uh, how excited you got talking about how you use Mural and how many tabs you have open. 
uh, I, and I, I just personally sharing that love of gardening. I'm, I'm uh, excited to hear uh, that you're a gardener and, and that you apply RevOps principles to your, your work in the garden. That's super. Uh, it's just been such a pleasure. Uh, we're honored to have had you on the show today. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me on the show, David and Darren. Really appreciate it. Um, looking forward to, uh, you know, to staying in touch. Fantastic. And to our audience today, thanks, of course, to, to tune in uh, on this RevOps Friday. Um, we release new episodes every single Friday. If you found this conversation or any other episode to be exciting and interesting, please tell someone about the podcast. And of course, subscribe. It helps. Spread the knowledge. Let's not do RevOps on our own. Thanks again for being on the podcast, Kay. And this has been another exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time. Stay classy, Rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OpFocus. Visit OpFocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations. 